Chapter Twenty Three of Rufus and Rose, or the Fortunes of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twenty Three, Escape. Humpy made up his mind to accept our hero's offer. Fifty dollars was to him a small fortune, and he saw no reason why he should not earn it. The brutal treatment he had received from Smith removed all the objections he had at first felt. Now, how was he going to fulfill his part of the compact? To release Rufus would be comparatively easy. He happened to know that the key of his own room in the attic would also fit the door of the chamber in which our hero was confined. The difficulty was to get possession of the tin box. He did not even know where it was concealed and must trust his own sagacity to find out. To this end, he watched his employer carefully whenever he got the chance to do so, without being observed, hoping he might take the box out from its place of concealment. Finally, Smith noticed the boy's glances and said roughly, What are you looking at, boy? Do you think you shall know me the next time you see me? Humpy did not reply, but this made him more careful. In the morning, he took up our hero's breakfast, meeting Martin on his way downstairs. Well, said Rufus eagerly as he entered the room, have you found out anything about the box? Not yet, said Humpy. I'm trying to find out where he's hid it. I can let you out any time. How? I've got a key that fits this lock. That's well, but I'd rather wait till I can carry the box with me. I'll do what I can, said Humpy. I'm going to watch him sharp. I'd better go down now, or maybe he'll be suspecting something. Humpy went downstairs, leaving Rufus to eat his breakfast. On his way down, his attention was drawn by angry voices, proceeding from the room in which he had left Smith. He comprehended at once that Smith and Martin were having a dispute about something. He stood still and listened attentively, and caught the following conversation. The boy tells me, said Martin doggedly, that there was $400 in the box. You only gave me 50. Then the boy lies, said Smith irritated. I don't believe he does, said Martin. I don't like him myself, but he ain't in the habit of telling lies. Perhaps you believe him sooner than you do me. I don't see where the $300 went, persisted Martin, considering that I did all the work. $50 was very small for me. You got half what there was. If there had been more, you'd have got more. Why didn't you wait and open the box when I was there? Look here, said Smith menacingly. If you think I cheated you, you might as well say so right out. I don't like beating around the bush. The boy said there was $400. Turner told him so. Then Turner lies, exclaimed Smith, who was more angry, because the charge was a true one. The box is just as it was when I opened it. I'll bring it out and show you just where I found the money. When Humpy heard this, his eyes sparkled with excitement and anticipation. Now, if ever, he would find out the whereabouts of the tin box. Luckily for him, the door was just ajar, and by standing on the upper part of the staircase, he could manage to see into the room. He saw Smith go to a desk at the center of one side of the room and open a drawer in it. From this he drew out the box and, opening it, displayed the contents to Martin. There said he. That's where I found the money. There was a roll of ten ten-dollar bills. 
I divided them into two equal parts and gave you your share. I was disappointed myself, for I expected more. I didn't think you'd suspect me of cheating you, but I don't want any fuss. I'll give you ten dollars off my share, and then you can't complain. So saying, he took out a ten from his pocket and handed it to Martin. Are you satisfied now? he asked. I suppose I shall have to be, said Martin rather sullenly, for he by no means was sure of the veracity of his confederate. It's all I can do for you at any rate, said Smith, and now suppose we take breakfast. I shall want you to go to Newark today. He replaced the box in the drawer and, locking it, put the key in his pocket. By this time, Humpy thought it would do to reappear. Where have you been all this time? asked Smith roughly. The boy upstairs was talking to me. What did he say? He asked what was your business. What did you tell him? I told him I didn't rightly know, but I thought you was a manufacturer. Right, Humpy. You're a smart boy, laughed Smith. You know a thing or two. The boy showed his teeth and appeared pleased with the compliment. What else did he ask? He asked, would I let him out? Did he, the young rascal? And what did you tell him? Not for Joe. Good for you. There's a quarter. And Smith offered the boy twenty-five cents. If he'd done that yesterday instead of hitting me, thought Humpy, I wouldn't have gone against him. But the money came too late. Humpy had a brooding sense of wrong not easily removed, and he had made up his mind to betray his employer. The breakfast proceeded, Humpy waiting upon the table. When the meal was over, Smith gave Martin some instructions, and the latter set out for Newark, which was to be the scene of his operations during the day. About a half hour later, Smith said, Humpy, I've got to go downtown. I may be gone all the forenoon. Stay in the house while I am gone and look out. Above all, that that boy upstairs don't escape. Yes, sir, said Humpy. When Smith left, the coast was clear. There was none in the house except Rufus and the boy who was expected to stand guard over him. The giant had gone to Philadelphia on some business. Precisely what, Humpy did not understand, and there was nothing to prevent his carrying out his plans. He had two or three old keys in his pocket, and with these he eagerly tried the lock of the drawer, but none exactly fitted. One was too large, and the other two were too small. Humpy decided what to do. He left the house and went to a neighboring locksmith. I want to get a key, he said. What size? A little smaller than this. I must know the exact size, or I can't suit you. What is it the key of? A drawer. I can go with you to the house. That won't do, said Humpy. I've lost the key, and I don't want the boss to know it. He'd find out if you went to the house. Then I'll tell you what you can do. Take an impression of the lock and wax. I'll give you some wax, and I'll show you how. Then I'll make a key for you. Can you do it right off? I'm in a great hurry. Yes, my son. I'll attend to it right away. He brought a piece of wax and showed Humpy how to take an impression of a lock. There, said he, laughing. That's the first lesson in burglary. Humpy lost no time in hurrying back and following the locksmith's instructions. He then returned to the shop. How soon can I have the key? In an hour. I'm pretty sure I've got a key that will fit this impression with a little filing down. Come back in an hour, and you shall have it. Humpy went back, and seeing that there were some traces of wax on the lock, he carefully washed them off with soap. A little before the hour was up, 
he reported himself at the locksmith's. Your key is all ready for you, said the smith. I guess it will answer. How much is it? Twenty-five cents. Humpy paid the money and hurried to the house, anxious to make his experiment. The locksmith's assurance was verified. The key did answer. The drawer opened, and the errand boy's eyes sparkled with pleasure as they rested on the box. He snatched it, hastily relocked the drawer, and went upstairs two at a time. He had the key of his attic room in his pocket. With this, he opened the door of the chamber and, entering triumphantly, displayed to Rufus the tin box. I've got it, he ejaculated. Rufus sprang to his feet and hurried up to him. You're a trump, he said. How did you get a hold of it? I haven't time to tell you now. We must be going, or Mr. Smith may come back and stop us. All right, said Rufus. I'm ready. The two boys ran downstairs and, opening the front door, made their egress into the street, Rufus with the tin box under his arm. Where will we go? asked Humpy. Are you going with me? Yes, I want that money. You shall have it. You have fairly earned it, and I'll see that you get it, if I have to pay it out of my own pocket. I shan't go back, said Humpy. Why not? He'll know I let you out. He'll murder me if I go back. I'll be your friend. I'll get you something to do, said Rufus. Will you? said the hunchback, brightening up. Yes, I won't forget the service you have done me. Rufus had hardly got out these words when Humpy clutched him violently by the arm and pulled him into a passageway, the door of which was open to the street. What's that for? demanded Rufus, inclined to be angry. Humpy put his finger to his lip and pointed to the street. On the opposite sidewalk, Rufus saw Smith sauntering easily along with a cigar in his mouth. End of chapter 23 Recording by Valentina Vicelli